Okay, because we're, uh, we're studying the crossing the Red Sea, and there are chariots involved. So, really, really. So, uh, one of those guys, one of the principals in this story, trusted in chariots. So, this is uh, Exodus 14. And uh, James did a great job uh, talking about unleavened bread. Jesus is bread of life, and he's certainly unleavened because he was sinless. <clears throat> so he didn't go into verse 17, and uh, this is God telling uh, the Israelites to um, change their mind on the way they left Israel. You know, they've been freed, uh, death of the firstborn. Uh, Pharaoh has reluctantly relented and let the people go. And the Lord's picking out a way for him. He said, don't, don't go north along the Mediterranean because you'll go right into what modern-day Gaza is. And the Philistines live there, and they'll be real hard on you because they're a rough bunch. So I want you guys to take a southern route. So that's what he's saying in uh, 17 and uh, some of the other verses. And it also says that Moses took the bones of Joseph with him. And that was one of the deathbed things that Joseph said. You got to take my bones out of here. This is a foreign land, but I want to go home and be buried with my family. So they they took his coffin, and they're getting ready to move out. And uh, it said, And the Lord went before them by day in a pillar of cloud to lead the way, and by night in a pillar of fire to give them light. And so as to go by day and by night. This is the original GPS. And, uh, you know, it was full feature. I think it even had a backup camera. But uh, it, was, it was really cool because the Lord thinks everything. It was a pillar of cloud that could shade them as they were going through the wilderness. Nice feature. And if they had to do any maneuvers at night, and we're going to talk about that a little bit, they needed to do one soon, uh, they, they had the light. They had a column of fire. And this went with them until they got uh, to the Jordan River and ready to cross the Jordan some 40 years later. So God uh, used up a lot of batteries there, natural gas or whatever it was. I think it was just uh, it was the Holy Spirit. Um, but for 40 years, he gave him this kind of this guidance. And when the pillar would move, if it was the cloud or the column of fire, when it started to move, the Israelites knew, follow, follow the cloud, follow the cloud. So it was really a great GPS for them, supernatural, and it's called, uh, it says, the angel of the Lord inhabits it. So we're going to come across that in a little bit. So what a great provision. For these people that had never been in the wilderness before, land of Goshen, making bricks day and night. And they're free, and they've got this great GPS system. So the Lord is thinking of a lot of things because he loves them, and uh, they're getting ready to move out. And that puts us in 14, chapter 14. And there it says, Now the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Speak to the children of Israel that they turn and camp by Pi-Hiroth and Migdal, and the sea opposite Baal-Zephon. 
Why can't they just call these places Akron and Canton? I don't know. Anyway, we've got these names, and, and I think they're on the map. You shall camp before the sea, for Pharaoh shall say to the children of Israel, They are bewildered by the land. The wilderness has closed them in. Then I will harden Pharaoh's heart so that he will pursue them, and I will gain favor over Pharaoh and over all his army, and the Egyptians may know that I am the Lord. Now, as God did his uh, judgments and plagues on, on Egypt, we know why he did that. One of the reasons was that he was uh, injuring, he was a hard taskmaster over the children of Israel, God's people. Uh, that, was, that was contributory. Also, they were heavily in idolatry, and he wanted to destroy all their gods, all their gods, so they would know that there was one God in heaven, the God Almighty. So he took care of the frogs, he took care of the fleas. He, it, the Nile was a big thing, turned the Nile to blood, and... You know, Pharaoh was unimpressed for the first three of these uh, plagues. He didn't, he didn't let him go. And, uh, you know, he had, he had a hard heart on his own. And then the Lord started, started hardening his heart because he just wasn't obeying. And Pharaoh was a real nice guy. You know, he killed all the babies when Moses was, was born. He was just a neat guy. And then when they wanted to leave and they talked about going leaving for three days, he said, you'll make bricks without any straw. So Pharaoh's really a, a cool guy. So there's one more, one more God that uh, the Lord needs to take care of. It's Pharaoh. Pharaoh is a God. Pharaoh had that kind of uh, impact in that culture. I'm God. And, you know, he told Joseph, you rule everything, but you know, I'm, I'm still the king. I'm still God. They revered him as God. So there's one God to go in the 11th plague, uh, which is uh, the death of Pharaoh. And that's coming up. In 5 it says, Now it was told the king of Egypt that the people had fled, and the heart of Pharaoh and his servants was turned against the people. And they said, Why have we done this? that we have let Israel go from us, go from serving us. So he, Pharaoh, made ready his chariot and took his people with him. Also, he took 600 choice chariots and all the chariots of Egypt with captains over every one of them. Um, you know, he comes to his senses and says, Oi, whoa, we let all those people go. We had two million great servants and we had a soft moment here. And we, we let him go. And that's a hard thing for Pharaoh to say. He's got a short memory because he lost the heir apparent to the throne, uh, his firstborn. But when you've got an evil heart and you're greedy and you want more cities and more stuff, that goes by the wayside pretty, pretty quick. You're not really involved in your family. You just want more stuff and, and uh, more king stuff. So why did we let them go? Let's, let's go get them. So he amasses this uh, really select force. 600 choice chariots, all the chariots of Egypt with captains. We don't have any rookies driving these things. He's got captains on board of these things. And it could be that the Egyptians uh, invented the wheel. And they may have invented the chariot too. Highly mechanized, really effective against a foot soldier. If you can have a guy 
throwing a spear and, and driving a chariot. Uh, high tech, really high tech. So he's, he's bringing out all the big guns to go after the children of Israel. And in 8 it says, And the Lord hardened the heart of Pharaoh, the king of Egypt, and he pursued the children of Israel. Hard heart, you know, all he can see is getting these people back. Let's get them back here. Let's start building the kingdom again. And the children of Israel went out with boldness. And, you know, they had been captive for years. And they, you know, hated the taskmasters and all of that. So when they left, they may, they may have been doing this when they went out. Okay, we're out of here. All right, we're leaving you guys behind. And that probably didn't go down well with the Egyptians who are just kind of in smoking rubbles because God has just wasted their empire, just destroyed it. So, you know, these guys are remembering that they left with boldness and kind of a swagger when they went out. Um, In 9 it says, so the Egyptians pursued them, all the horses, all the chariots of Pharaoh, his horsemen, his army overtook them, uh, camping by the sea beside Canton and Akron. Okay, and and where Pharaoh drew near, the children of Israel lifted their eyes, and behold, the Egyptian marched after them. And they were afraid, and the people of Israel cried out to the Lord. They were between the sea, the deep blue sea, and the devil. They they were trapped wherever wherever they were. They were trapped. A lot of uh, speculation about where they crossed what sea. But anyway, they're trapped, and uh, they see them coming, and they're in between a rock and a hard place, the sea, and something trapping them on the sides, and the Egyptian army. And they do a, they do a neat thing. They cry out to the Lord. You know, in the Psalms, it says, cry out to the Lord. Um, it's funny how pressure will make you seek the Lord. There's a lot of that in the Gospels, people under pressure seeking the Lord. Well, that was good for a while. And then they started grumbling. Then they said to Moses, Because there were no graves in Egypt, you have taken us away to die in the wilderness. Why have you so dealt with us to bring us out of Egypt? Is this not the word that we told you in Egypt, saying, Let us alone that we may serve the Egyptians? And if you remember back... uh, Early in this book, when Moses came and he laid out the plan for him and he went into Pharaoh and said, let my people go, Pharaoh was really unimpressed, really unimpressed, said, that's all you guys think about is going to serve your Lord. Uh, We're going to start making bricks with no straw. And it was a real hardship for these these, uh, Israelites. And Moses and Aaron were were on the, the down list. You know, it was hard enough before you guys went and talked to Pharaoh, but now it's real hard. So they grumbled at that time too. But then the plagues came, and they're freed, and they're out here, and now they're in a bind again and said, are there, are there no graves in Egypt that you have to drag us out here to die in the wilderness? So they went from crying to the Lord to belly aching to Moses, and uh, Moses will... Listen to this for 40 years, but he's very merciful. And God is too. God will work with these people and uh, save them in their, their desire to uh, escape, of course. Okay. 
And Moses said to the people, do not be afraid. Stand still and see what the self and see the salvation of the Lord, which will accompany, which he will accomplish for you today. That's, that's really a neat sentence. Stand still and see the salvation of the Lord. Don't we need to do that in life? We get so wound up doing stuff. We get so harried. We get so, we're pulling our hair out. Chill and stand still and wait on the Lord. And the scripture is full of that. It's just full of that. Just slow down a little bit. Pray a little bit. And see how he pulls you out of your your problem. And uh, he's done it for me many, many times. He will accomplish today for you salvation. Stand still and see the salvation of the Lord. Um, It sounds like that came out of Psalms. There are a lot of uh, things like that in Psalms. Just wait on the Lord. His timing's best. And you will see uh, salvation today. For the Egyptians whom you see today, you shall see again no more forever. Evidently, Moses is in on what's going on. He's got some idea of what the fate of the children of Israel is going to be and the fate of the Egyptians. So he makes this little prophetic statement here. Pretty soon you'll see these guys no more. And they're an awesome force. They they got these chariots. They got footmen. They got horsemen. And uh, they're riding down hard on them. And it's, it's a scary thing. And he says, the Lord will fight for you and you shall hold your peace. Um, this is something the Lord's been trying to tell them for a long time. And he told the people, when they get into the promised land, the Lord will fight for you. The Lord will fight for you. And they really didn't take that to heart. They were afraid of the giants. Uh, they were afraid of the walled cities. And the two spies came back after they went in the land and said, but the Lord's going to fight for us. Let's just go in there. And the other ten said, well, I, I don't think so. We're like grasshoppers in the sight of those giants. And there are walled cities. There's, there's no way. So the lack of faith on their part kept them wandering and wandering and wandering. And it said, the Lord will fight for you, and you shall hold your peace. This, this peace is spelled like the peace of tranquility. Yes, this is going to have a happy ending. You will be secure. Hold your peace. Hang on to that. Don't let that go. Um, I know that also means, you know, be quiet. Hold your peace. Be still. Um, but there's a, there could be another rendering. You're going to be secure. Hold your peace. It's going to be all right. And the Lord said to Moses, why do you cry to me? Uh, tell the children of Israel to go forward, but lift up your rod and stretch out your hand over the sea and divide it. And the children of Israel shall go on dry ground, ground through the midst of the sea. And I indeed will harden the hearts of the Egyptians and they shall follow them. And I will gain honor over Pharaoh and over his army, all his army, his chariots and his horsemen. Then the Egyptians shall know that I am the Lord when I have gained honor for myself over Pharaoh and his chariots and his horsemen. Yeah, these guys were definitely trusting in their hardware, in their chariots. Um, God's got one more God 
to take care of. Little G got, and this is Pharaoh with the hard heart that has on his mind to decimate a lot of the Israelites and take a lot of them back as captors. Uh, I, I think he wants to do them some dirt before he takes them back because they did leave with a swagger. And his kingdom is in ruins because of the God Almighty. And since he has a hard heart again, it's the third time he's mentioned this. Um, you know, Pharaoh never came to the point where he said, uh, your, your God is mighty. We can't do anything against him. We're sorry that we, you know, made your people do bricks for 400 years. Um, he never comes to that point. He never comes to that point. He reluctantly lets them go, and he reneges on a lot of promises of, yeah, um, you can go out and have your celebration. Who you taking? No, you can't take the children. No, you can't take your livestock. He always has these conditions. And then he changes his mind and won't let him go. So the heart is hard, and he's got this vendetta against the people of Israel. And can you see the, can you see the trap building here, the trap for Pharaoh? Yeah, it looks it looks like a trap for the Egyptian or for the uh, Israelites because it's, it's going to be a trap for Pharaoh because his heart is hardened. That's all I can see. He's going to get those guys no matter what. I'm going to get those Israelites, kill a bunch of them, and take them back and make them slaves. That's what we're doing here, guys. That's the plan. Okay, uh, and God will. Uh, Take care of Pharaoh, and the Egyptians shall know that I am the Lord. Evidently, they haven't gotten a message yet. After ten plagues, it's going to take one more, and it's going to uh, take out Pharaoh and all his army, which is his strength. That's what he had left. That's what he had left. Everything else was demolished. But he had the army, and he had his position as a god in Egypt. And God Almighty said, we'll, we'll just see who's a god here. Okay, in 19, and the angel of the Lord, who went before the camp of Israel, moved and went behind them. And the pillar of cloud went before them and stood behind them. So it came between the camp of the Egyptians and the camp of Israel. Thus it was a cloud uh, and darkness to the one, and it gave light by night to the other, so that one did not come near the other. All that night. So what a, what a strategic move by the Lord to take this, this guiding uh, column of cloud, column of light, and move it to the rear in between the Israelites and the Egyptians. So it was a veil between the Egyptians and the Israelites. But the, the lighted part was on their side was on their side, so they could make preparations to go into the sea. Two-plus million people, and they had to move pretty quick. The Lord said, get going, Moses, lift up your rod. We need to dry out uh, the sea, get the wind going. Uh, I'm going to give you light to do that. This is going to be a night move. It's going to be, you know, night ops. So they have the light, and they can get their kids around. They can get their uh, whatever they need to get. They've got light. Those guys over there have darkness. And a lot of people think uh, at one of the popular positions that uh, historians think they crossed, there were steep mountains 
on each side of them. So they were kind of trapped right there. And when the cloud was before them, they, they had trouble seeing. They couldn't go ahead. Uh, it was really an effective curtain so the Israelites could uh, get things ready to move out and go across the sea. What a, what a great plan, God. What a great plan. 21. Then Moses stretched out his hand over the sea, and the Lord caused the sea to go back by a strong east wind all that night and made the sea into dry land. The waters were divided. So the children of Israel went into the midst of the sea on dry ground, and the waters were a wall to them on the right hand and on the left. And the Egyptians pursued and went after them into the midst of the sea. All Pharaoh's horsemen, horses, his chariots, and his horsemen. Um, quite, a, quite an army went in after him. Uh, two million plus people moving th- through a sea. Uh, it says the water was a wall beside them. Um, you know, there are different positions where historians think that these people crossed. One of the popular ones is at the Fort of Migdal. And there's kind of a natural bridge underneath the, the sea, very deep on one side of the bridge, very deep on the other side. But that's still 200 feet deep. So the waters part. There's this east wind that dries out the ground. 200-foot wall of water is their guess. That's uh, two Hamler elevators, one on top of another. Uh, what kind of power opens that up? That's, oh my, that's really impressive. That's really a miracle to be able to stand that water up like that. And uh, it didn't flow together. And convenient east wind at, at the will of God, they didn't even get muddy. They didn't even get muddy. They're, dr- they're going across on dry land. And uh, historians think at that point it was eight miles across. Eight miles across. So they had to keep moving. Had to keep moving. And uh, that's where we got the, the pillar of cloud there holding those guys up, that army. Okay, and remember that uh, Pharaoh really has this on his heart to get these guys. He's really after them. Okay, something else I wanted to say about that situation. Can't remember. It'll probably pop in. Okay, now it came to pass in the morning, uh, in the morning watch, that the Lord looked down upon the army of the Egyptians through the pillar of fire and cloud, and he troubled the army of the Egyptians and took off their wheels. Did I miss some? No, I didn't. Okay. So here we are in the morning, and the Egyptians are going in after him, and uh, something happens here. And he took off their chariot wheels so that they drove them with difficulty. I bet they did. (laughs) Took their wheels off. And the Egyptians said, let us flee from the face of Israel, for the Lord fights for them against the Egyptians. So who rushes into this, looks like a, a temporary thing, 200 foot on each side, and because their hearts are hard, they dash right in there after these people. Blindness, hardness of the heart, 
just a willingness to be driven to do foolish things. You know, they've, they've lost their senses. They're just walking into this trap because their hearts are hard and they, they want to get back at the Israelites because they destroyed their, their uh, kingdom. Okay, so they're, they're in there. They're in this tunnel. Then the Lord said to Moses, Stretch out your hand over the sea that the waters may come back upon the Egyptians on their chariots and on their horsemen. And Moses stretched out his hand over the sea. And when the morning appeared, the sea returned to its full depth while the Egyptians were fleeing into it. So the Lord withdrew, uh, overthrew, overthrew the Egyptians in the midst of the sea. And the waters returned and covered the chariots, uh, the horsemen and all the army of Pharaoh that came into the sea after them. Not so much as one of them remained. But the children of Israel had walked on dry land in the midst of the sea. And the waters were a wall to them on the left hand and on, on the right hand and on the left. So the Lord saved Israel that day out of the hand of the Egyptians. And Israel saw the, saw the uh, Egyptians dead on the seashore. Thus Israel saw the great work that the Lord had done in Egypt. So the people feared the Lord and believed the Lord and his servant Moses. Wow. Wow. The last God of the Egyptians is gone. They're totally wiped out. It was the biggest and best kingdom on earth. Maybe the very, the very first of great empires. Uh, and they were brutal. And they were full of idolatry. And God had to, had to remove them. They were injuring his people. And uh, had to take Pharaoh out. He was the last one to go. He was the last God to be, be conquered. So this is major, major miracle. And, uh, you know, it's uh, revered in all through the scripture. Just all kinds of uh, places where the, this miracle is referred to. So, real big one. Real big one. Um, the flood. This one, parting the Red Sea. Uh, the rapture coming up. Biggies. Real biggies. I know the biggest one. There's one bigger than those. Jesus died for sinners. Amen. Jesus died for sinners. What a miracle. People are saved from that. Wow. Be still. Be still and see the Lord work. Jesus died for your sins. The greatest miracle there is. This is a good one. This is real, real dramatic. And the Israelites remembered this for years and years and years. Still talked about we, we're talking about it today. What a miracle. Great miracle. Jesus died for sinners. What a, what a, what a thing. What a thing. Uh, questions. Got time for just a few questions here. Yes, sir. Uh-huh. So there's a bit of back and forth about that. Yeah. Um, 
there are some pronouns in there that I read that makes me believe that Pharaoh got it, that Pharaoh died, that uh, God was needed to take care of that, that last God, that last God. Yeah, but I know about those controversies. It said no one survived. No, no Egyptian. No, I believe that if, you know, if you've got 200 feet of water on each side, what, what's the slap when that thing comes together? Oh, my goodness. You know, a lot of causes of death could be, uh, could be done there. Um, if you go to, like I say, there's a lot of speculation about where this happened. But if you go halfway down the Gulf of Aqaba, um, they think that's one of the likely spots. Uh, they have found chariot wheels there, horses' hoofs, human bones, other artifacts, strewn clear across at eight miles. And they found one uh, chariot wheel that was gold. That was Pharaoh's chariot. That's another thing that makes me think that Pharaoh perished uh, by the hardness of his heart. There was only one chariot that had gold wheels. It was Pharaoh's. And they found one. They found a golden one. So I, I, I like that proposed crossing. You know, there's, there's one up north, uh, the Reed Sea, which uh, may have been deeper back then, but was probably never, never deep enough to drown the whole uh, army of the Egyptians. But uh, there in the Gulf of Aqaba, where they find the artifacts, definitely deep enough. Definitely deep enough. And, uh, you know, these were robust guys. These are soldiers. Uh, and uh, the concussion and the things that came against them in the sea, they all perished. They all perished. Um, other, other questions? Yeah. With regard to uh, Joseph's bones, uh, if he had passed three, four hundred years before then, how could he have impressed upon the people so much that this was something that was supposed to happen and that they would actually remember it? I mean, we've been a country for just a little over 200 years. Uh-huh. We've forgotten much of what our founding fathers ever taught us. Right, right. O- oral tradition is all they had, so they were good at it. That's, that's my guess, oral tradition. Because he was insistent that uh, his body be taken back and, and buried at Shechem uh, with, uh, you know, the patriarchs. But the only thing they had was oral tradition because they, they were slaves. I don't think they had papyrus and stylus and things to write with. So the oral tradition uh, must have saved the day for his bones. Yeah, they were, they were good at that, oral tradition. Yeah, Kathy. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Both of those, uh, grace and mercy. Yeah. yeah. And guidance, you know, when, when that moved, they moved. Uh, it's also thought that when um, the Lord talked to Moses, talked to him from the pillar of fire at the tent of the meeting. Yeah. Shekinah, Shekinah glory. Fantastic. How tall was it? You know how tall it was? Don't know. <laughs> Don't know. But... Uh, when they finally get to Jericho and, uh, you know, the spies go into Jericho, 
Rahab tells this story about everybody in this city is petrified because you took out Egypt, you killed the Egyptian army, never fired a shot, you guys never had an army, your, your God's pretty good, your God is real good, and you took out some people along the way that gave you some trouble, so we got this band of two million people moving through the wilderness and they got a reputation. And they've got this headlight. They got this headlight that goes before them. They got the canopy that shades them. Nice. And they're eating manna and quail. Not too bad. Not too bad. Yeah. Provision. Definitely provision. Yeah, pretty neat. Surely. Well, I think he was because he knew the whole story. And it's called the angel of the Lord. Could have been in Christophany where it's actually Jesus. Actually, Jesus uh, uh, taking care of his people. He was a Jew, you know. <laughs> he was a Jew. Yeah. He was an Israelite. So, you know, a lot of commentators say, yeah, you know, that's a, an appearance of Christ in, in the Old Testament, which is really cool that he would lead them. He would lead them and provide uh, shade for them. What, what a God. What a neat God. Okay, Sam, way back there, buddy. Coming your way. Okay, take it, take it easy on me, Sam. Don't go too deep on me here. In the sea? That's, that's where they... They just fell off mysteriously. They just plump, just came off. And the Egyptians said, whoa, we're not going too fast now. And we, we got water like this. And uh, their comment was, oh, no, the Lord of Israel fights for them. And the water came together. So still some artifacts down there. And uh, kind, of, kind of validates the story. Validates the story. Okay, crossing of the sea, some men do trust in chariots, but uh, we'll trust in the Lord, right? That's what we'll do. That's what we'll do. Cool. Uh, I, I haven't been teaching or taught since you do the new prayer thing. So it's about seven till. Is that when you guys kind of come up for prayer? And somebody tell me about how you do this. Okay. Okay, great. Very good. Well, let's let's pray. We'll do a general prayer, and those that want to pray can come on up, and uh, the rest of you can be dismissed. Lord Jesus, uh, gosh, we, we thank you for being in the pillar of cloud and the pillar of fire and being, you know, that kind of provision. And it was a big miracle, Lord. Great one. You know, it's all through the Bible. We studied tonight. Your Your Majesty, Your provision. Um, Lord, but, you know, the bigger one is that you, you died for us. You left heaven and came down here to die for wretches like us. Lord, thank you. Thank you so much for that. Uh, Lord, give James and his family, um, you know, a great time refreshing. And be with these folks and bring them back on Sunday, if you would. We ask it all in your kind heavenly name. Amen.